0: How you going guys? Welcome back to the Optimize Self Podcast. Today's episode is with Catherine Hay. Catherine is a clinical nutritionist and she has an amazing story. She has an amazing practice. She is based up in the sunny Byron Bay and this episode was extremely fun. She's very passionate about nutrition, using food as medicine and we get stuck into it on a lot of different topics, ranging from pregnancy, supplements, DNA testing for better overall health, and many other topics. I think you guys will thoroughly enjoy this episode. I sure did. Um, and for people that are enjoying the podcast, please go and subscribe to my podcast on iTunes. It's Optimize Self. You can follow me on Instagram, optimize.self and Optimize Self on Facebook. Now, I also have my website up and running, which is optimizeself.com.au, and you can check out what I'm up to there. Very basic landing page. However, if you are interested in online programs, which I offer now, I am currently selling eight-week online programs. Check out the videos that I do, check out some of the type of training I'm into, and contact me, and we can get something started. Hope everyone's having a good day and don't forget to share this if you enjoyed it. Comment, like, subscribe, follow and um, give me some feedback. I'd love to hear what everyone is up to, what they think that I could do better, what they are enjoying and I really think you guys would love this podcast, this episode. Have a good day guys. Peace.
1: All right, sweet. Well, Cappy, welcome to the Optimize Self podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Um, I've been wanting to get you on for quite a while now, so I'm I'm very stoked to be talking with you.
2: Yeah, me too. I'm excited.
1: Good, good. Um, so let's start off with um, just what I usually ask people is um, what you currently do and and where you're based at.
2: Yeah, sure. So, as in terms of currently do is in like I'm a nutritional like a (laughs) a clinical nutritionist, and I'm based in Byron Bay. Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So um, I've been practising up in Byron Bay now for probably two years. Um, And, yeah, I work in this beautiful clinic in Brunswick Head, so just out of Byron, called Aparna Centre. And, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm practising at the moment. Nice,
1: nice. So clinical nutritionist, Um, what, what led you into wanting to become, like, uh, a nutritionist, and what was I guess some of the, the factors that led you to down the, the path that you are at now?
2: Yeah, sure. So I originally started studying um, naturopathy, so to become a naturopath. So I I studied that degree for almost four years, but for some reason I just lost my passion for herbal med- herbal medicine. So then I decided to switch into doing a Bachelor of Health Science, majoring in nutritional medicine. And, you know, I've always suffered with my own health issues, especially um, around my gut and female hormonal issues. So I guess I've always had that passion for wanting to understand more about the human body. Um, But, you know, when I was studying nutritional medicine, I actually had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to practice. Um, I didn't have a drive to into that industry but it wasn't until I was in my final year of the degree and we had to do a huge amount of clinical practice um, where we actually had to start treating patients with a supervisor and that's where the passion or that that fire I guess you call it ignited within my soul and it's when I started to realize how powerful food as medicine and nutritional medicine can be in healing the body. And it was when I kept seeing my patients in in a uni setting, clinical environment setting, coming back, but feeling, you know, so amazing after just two weeks of being on a on a specific treatment plan that, you know, was individualized to them, that I was like, oh my God, I've got to be doing this all the time. And that's when I guess captured nutrition was born after I finished my degree. So that's that's kind of like I was studying for about eight, eight, eight and a half years in human kind of biological sciences.
1: Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, what do you love about it mostly, like nutrition and, and being able to help people with using say food as medicine, what's your yeah. what's the major influence or like why do you love it so much?
2: I think because I really get to sit down with my patients and listen to their story you know everyone has their own health journey and a lot of the times people aren't heard and being able to have this safe environment where I can listen and just offer any type of advice that the patients want in terms of you know um, treating their health goals I'm that person and just seeing how much that can change people's lives really mm. makes me love what I do. And I think that's what empowers me to keep going, is just seeing how empowered, I guess is a great word, my patients feel and, and how I just love educating people too. So being able to talk to a broader population like we're doing now and also being able to talk to my one-on-one clients um, is, is just amazing and, I, and that's why I do it.
1: Mm, for sure. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, this is a pretty simple question, maybe for people that are in like the health industry or their personal trainers or their coaches, but for, the, for people out there that they might not have their nutrition on on point. Like, why is it so important to for the average person to for everyone really? It's pretty obvious to look after their nutrition and to and start to look into it with more depth, rather than just thinking that um, they can put anything into their mouth. Like, what is so important about it?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. So for me, you know, every biochemical process of the body requires a vitamin or a mineral, right? It requires magnesium or zinc or specific enzymes. And they all come from food as medicine or from, you know, proper practitioner-only supplementation. You know, we don't require a drug. We don't require a herb. So I think... When we look at the chemistry around food and food as medicine, the most re, like the most logical explanation for that is food is always going to be medicine. Like I'm talking good quality food here yeah. um, because of the nutritional value it can provide the body. So mm. I mean everyone is so different, but um, looking looking at food and thinking about it, okay, I'm eating this food to give me energy, to repair my cells, to feed my microbiome, to make me sleep better, to produce happy hormones is the way I try to teach my patients instead of looking at food as either negative or positive or bad versus good. um, Mm. Has that kind of answered the question? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For
1: sure, because I think there's a lot like there's a lot of different things attached to food when people attach emotion to it as well. But also, um, when it comes to eating healthy, it's like it's a chore for some people. Um, yeah. It's very hard for them to wrap their head around. Um, so if you find someone that, you know, comes in and they, they do have, they have certain issues if it's, you know, uh, skin, skin conditions or anything, or they might be overweight and they need to just get their life back on track I'd say food is it's the number one priority right
2: yeah well for me it's the number one priority um, definitely in what I do and looking at a person's diet and it's not about the food we're taking away it's how can we I call I call it like how can we pimp out your meal like how can we add more nutritious food back Mm. into their current diet you know so many times patients come to me and they've said you know, I've seen so many practitioners that they're taking me off all these foods and major food restrictions, which then becomes a, a mental health issue because food anxiety is just so common these days because of so many people removing foods from the diet when really, unless there's like, you know, celiac disease or major intolerances, those foods generally don't need to come out of the diet. So I'm very much in the mindset of looking at foods that we can add in instead of food restriction. I actually hate food restriction unless it's absolutely necessary because we've done further functional testing. Yeah. Um, but for me, you know, I'm a foodie. I eat all foods. And I think that's where my passion for food comes in, you know, looking at people and their health. It's like, yeah, using food as medicine.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and there's, talking about that food anxiety you mentioned there, Do you find sometimes clients can feel quite overwhelmed if they need to start making changes? Because I find that sometimes with the information that I give out, for instance, someone that is is extremely overweight maybe or they're they're already anxious about starting an exercise program or getting a personal trainer,
2: Mm. that,
1: that can almost be enough for them for maybe the first month or so and then trying to... I'd really need to watch what I say sometimes because I don't want to be giving them too much information or too many mindfulness practices or too much um, exercise to do by themselves. Do you find sometimes clients can be be overwhelmed and how would you combat with starting off simply?
2: Yeah, great question. And this is something that I focus on all the time in clinic. It's very much I say to all my patients, I'm here to support you with your health journey because I know it can be so overwhelming. And I always say to my patients, we work out their health goals in order of priority together. We we come up with a treatment plan that fits in with them and their lifestyle together. It's not it's all it's a joint we a team, you know. And when we come up with different health goals, we do it one step at a time. I never like to bombard patients with all this dietary advice, all these supplements, because it's too overwhelming and we never know what's working. So I like to simplify everything. And that's where my patients really build that trust and rapport with me quite quickly because they want their hands held. They want small, achievable health goals to get to that optimal health, you know. So that's how I guess I practice really differently to a lot of practitioners out there. Um, sometimes it can be a slower journey, but I don't think there's a rush to win the race when it comes to health. I mean, our health is constantly sure. changing, so yeah. taking those slow, really important steps to reach those health goals is is the best is the best thing I can offer my patients. Really,
1: yeah, no, that's great advice because you, you have it in a lot of different industries within, say, like health and wellness, when people want to work out and. I've had clients come from other trainers, and it's like, oh, you know, they just they just flog me every session, and it's actually like it's too too much, or they get too sore from it. And it's like it's one of those things. If if you haven't exercised for for years, or you do have extra weight on you, and there's a lot more pressure on your joints, joints and your body, you need to start off small again and, and gradually build up. And that's one thing I tell my clients too is is make sure that you know you need to remember that not every workout needs to be a thrashing and you don't need to be doing heavy weights all the time. You can start off small and just build yourself up and look at it as a long-term lifestyle change that you'll continually do for the rest of your life. Oh, so,
2: exactly. That, that information is invaluable, you know, they that, and that's what they want to hear. Mm. So I think that's fantastic that you do that. And I think, you know, you're in the fitness industry, I'm in the nutrition industry, health industry. It's very similar in how we need to approach people because people, they're gentle, sensitive beings, and they just want that constant connection as well and to be told that they're doing a good job and everyone is doing a good job. So without it being like, you must do this, this is the only way, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, and it it goes in hand in hand with um, people that are giving out, I guess, nutritional advice. I know, for instance, if you're a professional like figure athlete or a bodybuilder, like you know, there's a certain type of uh, diet that you'll need to use to to shed off the last couple of you know kilos of body fat, getting ready for competition. Yeah. And, Sometimes giving that that information to the average Joe client for them to lose weight can be effective in the first couple of months or for two months, three months, however long they're doing it. It's extremely hard though to follow when all you're doing is cutting carbs and calories down and making your food very boring. However, the biggest issue I think sometimes with those types of diets is it's usually not sustainable over time. Like you. As soon as the person gets off it, then they kind of put the weight back on, rather than trying to look at a long-term goal.
2: Exactly, that's 100% it. Yeah.
1: Do you find, I mean, on the topic of say, I'm not saying those diets are bad diets, but do you find a lot of contradictory information or things that kind of grind your gears when you when you're in the, the food and nutrition industry?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, fad diets and all this wellness bullshit that's out there about you know alkalining water and you know you've got to be in keto or paleo is the only way. And yes, like there are there are definitely benefits to some of those diets. No benefits to alkaline water. It's all no bullshit. <laughs> um, but. You know, not everyone's body is going to be able to cope with those specific diets. And we just we just got to bring it back to basics. Everyone's DNA is so, so different. And, you know, I do a lot of DNA testing and so many people's bodies do not want to be on a high-protein diet. or they don't have the genes to be able to metabolize fat from a keto diet. So... This is this is another thing I just do not believe in fad diets. I don't believe in you know shredding those extra kilos through gnarly juice detoxes and drinking skinny meat teas and all of that, mm. because I just see at the other end of that is where all the mental health issues come in: mm. food anxiety, anxiety around food. Um, I just repeated myself twice there, but um, binge eating disorders. Um, anorexia, those types of conditions. So I am very, very opposed to fad to diets, for sure.
1: Yeah. So getting back to those specific diets that may not work for people who are on a high-protein, low-carb or high-fat, whatever it is, maybe someone's vegan when they shouldn't be or they should be eating less meat when they're eating too much. Um, how important is the one of the things that you do which is DNA testing and the genomic wellness testing is it?
2: Yeah that's it.
1: Can you explain that a little bit to to listeners who do not know what the DNA testing is?
2: Yeah for sure so it's quite amazing technology so it's a simple saliva test and we can test all genes basically for preventative health so we test so lipid metabolism, so that's that metabolism profiles, precursors and genes for, you know, type 2 diabetes, precursors and genes for cardiovascular health. We wow. can look at um, a lot of the genes associated with different um, vitamin metabolism in the body. So B12, vitamin D, vitamin E, um, all your B-group vitamins, vitamin C, glutathione which is an antioxidant. Um, We can check methylation uh, processes of the body, so MTHFR gene mutation. And it also tests, which I just find amazing, like stress response, so HPA axis genes, you know, that fight or flight response, warrior versus warrior. Um, We can also look at genetic, um, you know, halotypes, genotypes around different types of exercise too, So, you know, I see a lot of patients that come to me saying, I've been working out at the gym and nothing is shifting. Mm. Nothing is shifting. I'm eating well. I don't know what's going on. And they're training six days a week. Uh, We do their DNA. And it's because their DNA says, okay, resistance training isn't beneficial for you because you're actually going to put on fat, not muscle. So you've got to be doing cardio or something, you know, something else. Yeah. this is where I love breaking it down to every individual's blueprint so we can really tailor a treatment plan or, and a lifestyle change based on it, their DNA. And it, the information is just invaluable. It's kind of like you want optimal health, the DNA test really gives you all that information to strive for optimal health and also for preventative health. You know, if there is a family history of Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular health, it's really important to know if you have those genetic markers so Mm. you can prevent yourself from getting them because a lot of these diseases are all from diet and lifestyle.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, it's powerful. I did it with you um, probably six months ago, maybe a little bit more. But the the idea, I mean, I had a kind of, I, I felt intuitively the types of food what I was eating felt better for me but you just, you really put it in concrete for me doing that DNA test with the, the higher fat Mediterranean style um, higher good fats obviously Mediterranean style diet tend to work a lot better for me um, and the, yeah. uh, the types of exercises that I was already doing was the best types of exercises and probably the biggest thing that I saw was just when I did continually and have it's just, another thing is you'll find out these things and it's the consistency and and practicing that that style of, of yes eating that you, you need to practice it and then stay with it for to get the benefits but
2: exactly but
1: for me if I do it for say a week or two and I continue it I just feel so much better throughout the day. Um, the yeah. one notice is you told me that I didn't. Is it true I didn't I didn't metabolize caffeine very well? Is that how I would say it? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it.
1: And considering I am around coffee a lot, um, I should only be having one a day. But I I'm I'm addicted to the point where I'm having like you know I'm having my third cup of coffee at two or three in the afternoon, and I know I shouldn't be doing it, and it has it has no benefit for me or whatever. I actually don't feel better on that third cup of coffee, and yeah. yet yet I still drink that third cup of coffee. <laughs> So practice, I need to practice what I preach a little bit more sometimes or what you've told me.
2: Yeah.
1: Another thing that was quite amazing with that DNA testing is my partner um, was dealing with some, you know, endometriosis issues or pain, pains in her abdomen.
2: Yeah.
1: She had a similar, she was supposed to eat a similar diet to me, which is the Mediterranean style diet. And she noticed. A lot of changes in the pain that she was getting, and energy levels when she sticks with it. Like it's it's night and day for her.
2: Yeah. See, and that's that's invaluable information for her. You know, it's it's, it's almost life changing.
1: Hmm. Um. And I mean, it's it's powerful stuff because you're actually getting the proof, the science that says, well, this is going to be better for you if you eat this way or you supplement this way. And I think it's amazing. So I wanted to get on to the next question, which was you also do. Is it gut microbiome DNA testing as well?
2: Yes, yes.
1: Can you explain it's,
2: that to the listeners, please? Yeah, I absolutely... I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I've i really specialised in gut health, but studying people's shit to me is... It excites me like nothing else. Obviously, I don't actually look at people's poo. But we send those to the lab. But the gut um, and DNA microbiome test looks at the bacteria and the DNA in the bacteria. So looking at the gut microbiome flora is so unreal because we can really see what's happening in people's digestive tracts and in the gut, in the large intestine. Um, and this, always, this information always seems to be the missing pieces to everyone's health puzzle, especially with digestive health, autoimmune conditions, female hormonal conditions. So even, even unexplained weight gain, weight loss. So and mental health. Sorry, I've really got to add that one in because of the brain gut connection. So, yes. the DNA test is a swab of proof, and yes. the geneticist um, in Melbourne, the labs in Melbourne, look at it and they send me the report. And I've done you know so many of these reports that I'm really becoming familiar with people's guts and what you know, the good types of um, bacteria versus the bad types of bacteria. So we're always going to have, you know, good bacteria versus bad bacteria, but it's about the expansion of those bacteria. So we want the good and the bad in nice ratios in the gut. So they're benefiting each other instead of working against each other. So, you know, doing those gut DNA microbiome tests is just It can be a pivotal point in a lot of people's health journeys because we just gain so much information and it allows us to treat them according to the gut bacteria, which is just phenomenal Mm. in in the results that we start to see.
1: So why is it so important then to get your, your microbiome right or having a healthy gut?
2: Well, we all kind of now know that. I mean, they say the medical world that the gut's the second brain. To me, I I'm just going to say I think it's the first brain. We uh-huh. now know the bacteria in inside our gut is making huge communication pathways with our brain to perceive pain, to perceive emotions, to perceive the people that we're hanging around with, to and it helps um, influence our immune system. Our Female hormones, our male hormones, our brain gut connection, mental health. So, looking at that to me and no, like knowing that that bacteria is more alive and is kind of more in tune than we give ourselves credit for is pretty amazing. So, mm. I think for me, knowing that the bacteria is just so alive and it's, you know, speaking off us, we're the host.
1: Mm. Um,
2: and, and how it can influence our day-to-day life is is pretty astounding.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, what are some foods that people are commonly eating that that create bad gut bacteria and can be causing many issues?
2: Yeah, so number one is refined sugar. I mean, bad bacteria thrive off refined sugars. Um, so that's their preferred energy source and fuel source. So when they're in a the presence, of you know a lot of refined sugars in the diet, they thrive. They're like woohoo, give me more sugar, and then they just multiply and multiply and multiply. And this is where you can see all these different types of candida yeast overgrowth, SIBO, so small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, um, and just different GIT signs and symptoms. Yeah. Um, so that would be definitely one of the main contributing factors to um, bad bacteria being found in the gut. Alcohol it, um, can also exacerbate that. Smoking, um, lifestyle factors, stress can also really exacerbate um, unbeneficial bacterial overgrowth mm. um, and a lot of refined carbohydrate as well because they get broken down into glucose in the body. And again, there's that sugar for their preferred energy
1: source. Well, there you go. Fake, yeah. Fake food. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, on that, on that note, um, it's... Is that like a form of, say, like inflammation when you feed, say, you have too much refined sugar? Is the gut becoming inflamed and creating bad gut bacteria? I'm just not sure exactly how it works myself. Yes. Yeah. Uh, because I wanted to ask you about inflammation and inflammation in, say, the masses of society. It seems to be something that's quite common and you hear a lot about people saying is like dealing with uh, aches and pains, they're, they're, their muscles and joints can be inflamed or their are I mean, Tell me a little bit about inflammation and how it has, has popped up in your in your work.
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think look, I feel like in my industry too, a lot of practitioners are like, You've got systemic inflammation. It's kinda of like, well, what does that mean? You know? So inflammation i I don't really call it, you know, whole body inflammation, but there's definitely I see this type of picture more and more in clinics. So there's these niggling pains and aches, like you were just saying, or unexplained signs and symptoms that people might be feeling, you know, that are manifesting on their skin or in their respiratory tract or even, you know, in their reproductive systems. And you would technically say that could be caused from excess inflammation. But, you know, where is this excess inflammation coming from? So... It's Definitely coming from our diets. We or we know that our food isn't as nutrient nutrient dense as it once used to be because of agriculture and different. The soil's just not as nutrient dense. Yes. Um, we're exposed to more environmental toxins now more than we ever have, and they can definitely cause inflammation in the body. Um, and you know, I feel there's a lot of lifestyle contributing factors too: alcohol, cigarettes. That type of thing can be caused, um excess inflammation in the body. But, you know, we've got to look at, you know, is the liver functioning properly? Is the liver helping us to kind of break down these molecules for proper detoxification and excretion? So a lot of the time when we're seeing these, you know, unexplained inflammation markers in the body, we've got mm-hmm. to look at the, the liver and the gut because they're our main kind of detox excretion um, pathways. And yep. there's usually issues with those that we see these um, other areas of you know ill health um, manifesting.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah. Does cool. that kind
2: of answer it? I guess yeah, in yeah. a roundabout way. <laughs> no, no.
1: It's just, um, it's, not, it's uh, something I wanted to talk about, just information because you hear it, you hear it thrown around a lot, so it's good to clarify a few things.
2: Yeah. Um, now
1: another question is: so if if I'm just the uh, average man or woman, and I'm wanting to get my health uh, kicking, you know, get my health going and I might start exercise, I might I'm trying to eat a little bit healthier um, should I go and just go to Chemist Warehouse and stock up on some um, some fish oil because <laughs> I wanted to get your thoughts on the good, the bad and the ugly side of supplementation
2: I'm so glad you asked me this question, this is one of my favourite topics um, I hate chemist brand supplements only because sometimes they are doing more damage to the body than good. Usually they're synthetic. They're made cheaply, so they have binders and fillers. Usually the molecules like, say, iron is attached to a heavy metal. Um, A lot of the cheap fish oils have not gone through a highly um, purifying process, so they are full of heavy metals. Um, so, and this is where you can also get, you know, huge amounts of inflammation in the body from taking poorly made, cheap supplements. And I think yeah. they've caught, caught a lot of flack um, in the media and people saying, um, you know, my, my liver has just shut down from all these supplements. And these are not practitioner only supplements, these are the shit that's on our shelves mm. that the regular consumer buy. And it's not their fault, they're not to know. Um, but a lot of these supplements, the body can only absorb and metabolize 20% because of how poorly made they are. So you're literally excreting out the rest or it's turning into irritation um, in the gut. Ferrograd C, perfect example. So this is an iron supplement that you know a lot of um, doctors, practitioners recommend because yeah. it's cheap. That form of iron will make you constipated, makes your poo look green and causes major irritation on the gut wall because of the form that it's in. Yeah. So when you're looking at supplements to... You know, you can be taking five different supplements but you don't even know if they're working for your body. So it's really important to work alongside a practitioner who can guide you with practitioner-only supplements where you know every form of that vitamin or mineral is attached to a molecule that the gut won't, one, destroy but that will also be absorbed and utilized by like 80, to 85%, 95% in the body, which is what you want. You're paying a little bit more but you're paying for quality and a lot of, studies have been done on these supplements to make sure that the patient or the person is getting that top quality support. So yes. I think it's really important working alongside a practitioner to get you on a proper supplement regime, depending on your health goals um, yes. as well. Yeah,
1: Because they're um, pharmaceutical grade, like scientifically proven to be quality um, supplements, aren't they? That's
2: yeah, the and, and you, you can only get a script from a naturopath, nutritionist um, or, you know, integrative doctor or whoever, you can't yeah. buy them over the counter um, usually.
1: And going back to the DNA testing, does that test for you that, does that test for the individual that some supplements cannot be absorbed because of certain DNAs, a certain genes being switched on or off?
2: Yeah, correct. So it's, it's, that's what's really cool about um, the saliva DNA test is that we can kind of really individualise a treatment plan um, in terms of supplementation about what their body will actually thrive on and what they probably would be getting enough through food.
1: So you could be buying, name the brand at the chemist, fish oils or mm-hmm. say a B vitamin and you're actually not absorbing it properly because you don't have the, the gene switched on properly to absorb okay. it.
2: Exactly. So you'd want to be making sure you're taking that top quality practitioner only where you're getting the form of that vitamin in its activated form already so the body doesn't have to do anything to try and activate it if those gene, gene mutations are there.
1: Otherwise, you're just wasting your money and possibly making yourself less healthy. Or... It,
2: exactly. And it can cause all types of issues. I think even um, the current affair did a huge thing on it maybe months ago now about this poor man with liver, like chronic liver cirrhosis, and that was because he was taking poor quality um, supplements.
1: Wow.
2: Yeah, so it's scary. It can be really scary. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so do you feel that proper nutrition is discussed amongst, you know, certain people, like, you know, say, throughout schools and, you know, with professionals and doctors and and, and other practitioners? Do you think it's discussed properly enough?
2: No, not at all. Um I don't think there's enough emphasis on diet and nutrition um, anywhere to be honest. Um, I think it's becoming more and more accepted because we're living in a world of social media and I think social media has its pros and its cons around this, but it's definitely making people more aware about how important food is for the body. Um, but also, you know, how important it is to allow yourself to, you know, have that chocolate bar or have that cross on whatever it is as well so i think that the education around nutrition it has kind of been all or nothing and i think we really need to figure out like that beautiful balance between and and totally get rid of that bad versus good type of nutrition old school thinking um but i think also i think doctors um and medical professionals need to kind of look at the diet um, with their patients as well and maybe look at, you know, are they having something that could be contributing to their health condition?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome stuff. Um, Go on. Well, I'm enjoying this conversation, Dina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Um, so getting back to, say, like being a personal trainer myself, yeah, you're a nutritionist. You're not just a nutritionist. I'm not just a personal trainer. You kind of end up falling into a bit of a an area where you are kind of coaching people with parts of their lives. Um, yeah, you know, because they come to you and they start talking to you about their their health, their nutrition, but their mental state can be affected and their physical state can be affected. So, what what other things do you do you delve into with your clients other than just um, Nutrition I mean you've mentioned mental health before mindfulness can you, can you talk a bit about that
2: yeah, and I think that's a, that's a big thing you know a lot of i don't you know on my social media accounts, I guess my mantra is like do shit that makes you happy because if we don't have our mental health in check, we cannot fix our physical body. They are so connected and intertwined um, and that's a spiritual connection as well. So mental health, and obviously I'm not a psychologist, so if I see some um, red flags, I'm always referring on to different practitioners to support my patients as well. Um, But we really focus on, you know, mindfulness, meditation, um, and working out, you know, I ask all my, I say to my patients, there's this one question that makes most people squirm, um When I asked them, I said, what's something that you do for you that makes you happy? And a lot of my patients can't answer it. And so for me, that's a huge area that I try and find within them that like, let's find that thing that makes you happy that you can do weekly, daily, you know, monthly. But let's find that, that thing that ignites your soul on fire. So, you know, I think another thing is you don't have to sit there in Zen and become the next bloody guru, but it's about being aware of those things that make you feel good, whether it's, you know, getting a massage, reading a book, listening to a podcast, just sitting in a quiet place in your home that feels safe, they're all really important for that, that mental health response and decreasing cortisol, stress hormone in the body. So I guess yeah. that is another big area I focus on um, with my consultations and my patients. Um, I have to admit, I don't focus a lot on the exercise part because I have so many other amazing PTs and, you know, people that I can outsource to. Yeah. So, um, but I always ask them about their exercise regime, you know, what type of exercise are they doing because obviously that can be a a huge stress reliever as well with that
1: mental health picture. Yeah, sure. Great. Um, And personally for yourself, what... what, um, Mindfulness practices? Do you do you undertake?
2: Yeah, good question. So, nature is my my thing. I love getting out into nature and going adventuring. I'm actually kind of adventuring right now. I'm up in Sunny Coast, Queensland. Um, but you know, walking along the beach. You know, if I can't even, you know get away, I just walk along the beach or I listen to the Insight Timer app and do a meditation or a guided meditation through there. I'm very big into positive affirmations. Um, but then, you know, if I am feeling stressed, I'm, I, I allow myself to go and feel all those feelings as well. And then it really allows me to feel and then I really can switch myself out of it too. So, you know, breathing, belly breathing, um, I do a lot of as well. I've kind of got a lot of tools under my belt Depending on the situation yeah. to help to help me with my mental health as well
1: and how has this all shaped you say over the last years or even since you were a a young woman you know from where you've been where you've come from to where you are now like um, can you see you know changes in yourself through nutrition and through the study and the whole process like have you have you been in darker times and you've realized you know that made you stronger, or you you got through them with certain practices that you weren't aware of back then.
2: Yeah, definitely. And you know, I've struggled a lot with a huge amounts of anxiety and periods of depression um, throughout my life. Yeah. And so, you know, very dark places where you think nothing will work. But it's once you're out of that that you realise that everything has been working and I think connection for me is huge being around people who love and support me um, and are there to hold my hand through those times too just does so much for me on a soul level it's it's unbelievable but then also trusting myself that I've got those tools there to help me you know come out of those dark times or those overwhelming times Um, and it's probably not until now you know I'm 30 now and I've realized, like, just don't sweat the small stuff cap. You know, people, there are going to be people that don't like you, that they're going to be people that love you. There are going to be times in your life that are harder than others. There are going to be times where you're feeling financially broke. There are going to be times where you're feeling abundant. There are going to be times, you know, the shit and the really good times. But just bring it back to basics and be grateful what you, what you do have, what's going on. Um, and I think gratefulness is... It's something that i absolutely love that helps me you know on my day-to-day as well
1: yeah that's awesome
2: yeah
1: Hey, um well cool getting on to just the questions here are flowing pretty well so i'm going to get on to another question i think you're pretty passionate about i've seen you posting a lot about and talking about is um endometriosis and pregnancy or you know you know female issues with becoming pregnant and dealing with some of the stuff that they do. Could you start delving into that a little bit for me? Because I think it's a very passionate topic of yours.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think the more and more I've been in clinic and, you know, since turning 30, I feel like I'm somehow attracting all these amazing women into my clinic who are really struggling with female hormonal conditions and imbalances and autoimmune conditions such as endometriosis, such as polycystic ovarian syndrome or not even getting a period, not even ovulating. And maybe because it is my age, every, every a lot of women want to... It's conceiving time. They want to have a baby, but there are all these roadblocks in the way um, and hormonal imbalances that we have to try and sort out first to make and create a healthy, viable pregnancy. So I guess endometriosis and polycystic ovarian syndrome are two areas I'm th- are seeing a lot of um, in clinics. And, you know, the, the signs and symptoms can be awful, especially with endo, the amount of pain um, endo patients suffer is beyond belief sometimes. So I really dive into looking at a lot of the drivers um, of those conditions, um, female hormones, estrogen dominance, not enough progesterone, um, are they even ovulating, have they been on... Um, contraceptive pill or you know other types of um, hormone replacement therapy and really trying to figure out it's very individualized really trying to figure out that root cause of okay what's going on this is a treatment goal then let's try and get you pregnant so that could be a year process just trying to balance out female hormonal conditions um but it's, it's a journey I love going on with my patients because, you know, using food and nutritional medicine, um, we can see results quite quickly. And most of these patients are really dedicated to jumping on board with this because the end goal is a beautiful, happy, healthy baby and beautiful, happy, healthy mum and a beautiful, happy, healthy pregnancy. So, yeah. so even, you know, when my patients become pregnant, I'm like, woohoo, this is the best yeah, yeah. day ever and being able to support them you know, preconception into pregnancy and then on the other side, postpartum, is just such an amazing time for me as a practitioner. I absolutely love it.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, What are some of the side effects of, you know, being on the pill or contraception for such a long time? What does it do?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, this is, you know, what I'm seeing in my personal clinic is, you know, a lot of this estrogen-dominant picture You know, we're seeing really full-on periods or no periods at all, no ovulation, massive amounts of PMS, so that time leading up to the monthly bleed, lots of breast tissue pain, um, periods, lower abdominal cramping, back pain, irritability, Mm -hmm. moodiness, um, you know, unexplained emotional responses, anxiety, depression, migraines. Um, all stemming from a huge increase in estrogen production. And I feel there's, you know, a lot of correlation between long-term use of different, um, oral contraceptive pills or, you know, Marina, implon, um, and these types of conditions once they're coming off the pill or, you know, types, forms of contraception and these issues start to arise or okay. have always been there, but have been suppressed, if that makes yeah. sense.
1: Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the steps when you when when someone comes to see you and they want to you know they want to get pregnant, they want to have a child, what are the some of the steps you'll take to, to get them prepared and prepping, say, the body and the mind, you know, for for getting it ready for for, for everything to get going? Like can you run a bit of the preparation or where you start?
2: Yeah, for sure. And you know, I usually say, you know, for preconception health it's a six month journey before we look at conception. One, we want to make sure there are no autoimmune conditions, you know, at hand. There is no endo. There is no polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, you know, if they've got a pretty good hormonal picture or menstrual cycle, then, you know, it's a good start. But if they're still experiencing breast tenderness and PMS, then I really look at, okay, let's get all your blood, blood done. Let's support your body with what it needs. Um, and we look at preconception health diet, um, preconception health, like nutritional medicine plan. Um, yeah. we also may have to do a little bit of estrogen clearance, you know, through the body. Um, but it's, it's a nice process. It's, you know, we want to support the gut health. We want to support, um, you know, having good levels of folic acid, um, in the body because we know, you know, we need that to stop neural tube defects in, um, a pregnancy. So, there's a lot of different areas that I look at first. I also get all my patients who are looking at preconception to get the MTHFR gene checked because if they do have the MTHFR gene mutation, they can't metabolize over-the-counter folic acid.
0: So, wow. you,
2: you know, a lot of those prenatal supplements off the shelf. I'm not going to name yeah. any names. Yeah. Um, that they will be doing more damage to a female who has the MTHFR gene mutation. So we need to get them on an activated form. So yeah, well. there are certain kind of guidelines and steps we, we put in place to make sure we're giving them the best head start to be able to conceive. One, because conception is hard and yeah. to be able to have a healthy, viable pregnancy.
1: Sure. Wow. Well, yeah.
2: Yeah. Such a, f- I love that. I love, I love supporting women with that journey.
1: Yeah, must be, it must be amazing. Um, yeah. So on another topic that is pretty popular is caffeine intake. And I know it does come down to the individual, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: we seem to be fuel, a society fueled on, on caffeine and energy drinks. Um, what, what are some of the, the damaging effects too much caffeine can do to you?
2: Yeah, good question. So caffeine can raise cortisol, so a stress hormone. So the liver just does, can't break it down properly in some people, and it causes that huge anxiety stress response. I think, for me, that is one of the biggest issues I see in clinic. Um, so then you, you it's causing, you know, excess inflammation, it's causing high blood pressure, it's causing that fight-or-flight response.
0: Yeah. So,
2: I mean, that's coffee in excess, so depending on how much you're drinking and whatnot. Um yeah. So that is, that for me, that's one of the major kind of issues I see with a lot of caffeine consumption.
1: Yeah. And what are some supplements, not supplements, but what can you ingest, say, food, natural foods, if you're trying to cut back on caffeine to, say, give you that extra energy boost? I mean, it could be quite... This could be a very simple question for some people to know, but what? give me a, a, few, a few different examples of high-energy food to kind of get you through that that afternoon slump?
2: Yeah, great question. So essential fatty acid foods. So I love essential fats, omega-3s, because they they give you sustained energy response. And okay. complex car- carbohydrates. So your complex carbohydrates, your quinoa, brown rice, you know, not those refined grains. They are a slow energy burn too. So if you're mixing those together, say, you know, you're having a hard-boiled egg or you're having some good avocado on some brown rice crackers to get you over that 3 p.m. slump, they are all really amazing at that sustained energy release. We don't want those big spikes in blood glucose, and that's where you get those huge ups and then massive crashes. So a lot of the time I ask people about their energy levels, and if they're trying to come off coffee too, I say, okay, well, let's around that 3 p.m. slump, let's make sure you're having a really nice high fat, good fat, um, snack with some good complex carbohydrate or some good protein in there
1: as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I want you... I, when I was listening back to the um, the DNA test that we did together and I was having listened listen to it the other day, Yeah. I recorded our conversation and you mentioned your normal may not be your optimal. Yeah. Uh, Do you say that still or is that, was that a one-off? Because I think that's a pretty good catchphrase. Um <laughs> Now I love that. <laughs> do you reckon we could unpack that a little bit? Because I think I fall into the trap personally with thinking like, oh, well, I'm doing pretty well. You know, I I exercise, I eat. You know, I'm 90% of the time I'm eating pretty well. However, I do drink the extra coffee, or you have the big weekends, or I think I could um, be a bit more consistent with what I should be doing. And and I I know there's always a better version of myself, and I guess that's why I'm in this industry, but What what do you feel when you hear that my normal may not be my optimal?
2: Yeah, that is great. And you know what? I probably haven't used that phrase since then, but I use something a bit different. But I use it in probably a different way now. A lot of my patients come to me And their normal is not what I would call normal or optimal at all. But they've been suffering so, so long with these different conditions that that has become their normal. The, you know, bloating, the the dull cramps every, you know, every day of their month during their cycle, that is their normal. So it's, yeah, I guess it's interesting hearing you say that because, you know, for you, I feel like you're striving for that optimal, but, you know, you're probably a lot healthier or in a not healthier but in a better position um to what am i trying to say here like to yeah your opt- your health like your normal is probably pretty good and yeah. like relative to you but a lot of people's normal now is is ill health and they're suffering um all the time so I try and make that connection for them as well and they're like, oh, wow, you know, a month into your treatment plan, now I know my normal was not my normal. Mm. And it's only once they've started the treatment plans or they've started to work with me that they've realised, far out, I've been suffering with this for over 15 years but didn't even realise it.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. You must be some crazy results and changes in people.
2: Oh, it, it's, it's fantastic and I think that really ignites that keeps that, that, that fire going for me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, someone might come to me and say, oh, I've only been suffering, like, or I've only had these weird niggles for, you know, the last three months. But then when they're actually starting to feel better, they're like, oh, my gosh, I've had this all my life and I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you, um, do you ever come up with resistance in clients at all um, with regards to wanting to change? Like, do you ever find that some people struggle more than others?
2: Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, I also have to remember to not take that personally because everyone's health journey is so different with how they're, they're feeling, but I do get, you know, resistance, um, people, you know, a lot of patients and people like want to take that step, but when they've taken it, it all becomes too overwhelming. Um, even with, you know, even when I'm simplifying it to, you know, the most simplest form, um, a lot of emotional trauma can come up from past, you know, health experiences and that's where those barriers come up. Um and resistance. So it's it's hard for me as a practitioner to know how to always treat those situations um with, you know, a big big heart. Yeah. Um but that's where we kind of more delve into that mental health response and, you know, Try and figure out whatever's going on for them. Then that may be putting up barriers for the treatment they want. To, they want me to help them with.
1: Yeah, but it must be frustrating sometimes because you're just like thinking, you know, all you've got to do is just, you know, stick with it for a month, and you'll just you'll be such a better version of yourself than you were. You've just really got to take that leap of faith sometimes, and I guess you see it in a lot of people in probably every industry. Is, need to accept that change and accept the unknown for yourself to grow and to become, become a better version of yourself. And it's scary sometimes. It can be.
2: Oh, it's so scary because you're going within. You know, it's you. It's like I say this to my patients. I can give you all the knowledge and the education I can, but at the end of the day, it's whether you implement it and want to make the change. So... You know, they you know, when they do see that change, they're like, Oh, thank you, it's all you I'm like, nah, it's all you. You're the one that has done this. So, you know, you've got to be proud of yourself for making that change or making those steps to become a better version
1: of you. Yeah. Yeah, I say it a lot to to clients, especially new clients that are that are struggling with just trying to get, say, a healthy healthy eating habit or just exercise by themselves, for instance, because they'll they'll see me for three hours a week. I send them a program you know i um we talk as much as we can, you know we we exchange information, but I'm only seeing them really for three, maybe a little bit more than that per week, and the rest of the time it's completely up to them
2: that's it and see three hours a week is a lot more than I spend with my patients, you know I see them maybe one hour every month, so yeah. you know one hour, maybe every two weeks so it's it's a lot of work on their end too. Mm.
1: But you'll be better for it, that's for sure. Well, let's hope so. (laughs) Yeah, let's hope so. Cool. So uh, what's, what's in the works for yourself in the sense of, you know, what other passions are you striving to do? I know you've mentioned public speaking before or further coaching. Can you give us a bit of insight to what you might be working on?
2: Yeah, well I guess for me, you know, I love having a chat about health. I mean, I've just spoken your ear off the glass for what half an hour. So yeah. I would I really want to branch out to do more public speaking, running workshops and being able to kind of speak to people but on a broader 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 level. Um I love connecting, like I love face-to-face connection. Um, a lot of the time I see my patients through a screen, um, so do a lot of online consults as well, but that face-to-face, seeing a group of people, um, it's amazing. And I feel like the next step for me and for Capture Nutrition is to be, you know, seeing my patients three days a week and then on those two days a week, that's where my creative flair comes in. That's where I'm um, doing workshops, public speaking, um, talking at events, but also working on content. Like I love um, researching and putting out good quality content, um, you know, over social media platforms. And, you know, I've even kind of thought, you know, maybe maybe write a book, maybe write the no bullshit approach to nutrition or do something like that. But again, I have to be in that kind of creative space where my brain just kind of kicks over to do that. So, I guess there's nothing in the pipeline, but there's definitely um, a lot of opportunity for me to to do, to do that. Yeah,
1: awesome. That's great. Yeah. Uh, so, just in, do you have some advice to say for someone or anyone out there? They, you know, maybe they can't afford to go to a nutritionist yet, or you know, that it's they're at the very kind of start of the change that they want to create. Um, in regards to, to food and nutrition, what are some of the, the basic steps you could give them, you know, to get started?
2: Yeah, for sure. So keep it simple. Don't overwhelm yourself with all the nutrition trends out there. So Simple food, like make sure you always have good proteins, good complex carbohydrates, good fats on your plate, lots of fruits and vegetables. You know, diversity is key. If you're using the same vegetables every week, the same rotation, go and find ones that you haven't used because your gut bacteria will love you for it. Um, And don't put pressure on yourself, you know, if you're trying to, go on that health journey but you know you feel like you're falling off the wagon it's okay we all do we're not we're not perfect we're human so take that pressure off and really focus on yourself to go within I think the more you go within and work on yourself on a spiritual and um, mental health journey too the more healthy living and you know eating becomes not a chore it becomes like this amazing thing that you're doing for yourself but also being a freaking realist and like eating chocolate, having a hot cross bun, having a piece of pizza with a bottle of wine, you know? Like that's what... Yeah, exactly. And that's what I do. And, you know, I love it. I'm having fun. I would never, you know, want to abstain from those things because they also give me joy.
1: So it's
2: about figuring out that what works for you and that balance for you. Yeah, that's
1: awesome. Keep it
2: simple. Eat real food. That's it. That's it.
1: so before we go, where can people find you and contact you if they're interested? Where are your handles at?
2: Yeah, sure. So my website is ww.catchandutrition.com.au. Um, look I haven't updated that in over a year, but a lot of people go to my website. They're also my biggest kind of handle and the most the platform I'm most active on is definitely Instagram. Yep. So my Instagram name is Catherine underscore hey underscore nutritionist. Um, and that's where I, I can connect with, you know, so many more people. Um, so shoot me through, you know, DMs, um, with any questions and yeah, I love, like, I love chatting to real people on there as well because so many people reach out to me and tell me their house journeys, which really touches my soul too. Cause yeah. you know, I'm not just working with people one-on-one, but I'm getting to work with people in that broader population.
1: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, well,
1: awesome. Stuff. Thank you um, very much for taking the time and having a chat. It's been very fun. It's been exciting. Oh,
2: thank you. I was, that was great. I loved every second of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I got all <laughs> my questions out there, I think. And I'm sure in the um, the future that we'll probably end up doing another one again.
2: Yeah, I would love to. Any, anything for you, Iman?
1: <laughs> Thanks, Tappy. I'll see no you No worries.
2: Soon. I'll see you soon. Bye.